0: rink Vancouver, pregame, postgame, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to free casino games, make a play at bodog.net. Wadden and JPAT are here with you once again with another edition of the postgame show and the Canucks take out the brooms in Dallas with a big 3-1 win over the Stars. JPAT Pat in what I thought was a very complete game from the visitors.
1: That might have been the best the Vancouver Canucks have played for Rick Tocchet When you keep the opponent in mind and... I don't know what it is about the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, the Dallas Stars are glad that they're not going to face them anymore, that the season series is done and they won't have to encounter the Canucks in the playoffs because I don't know, man, like I just don't see it with this Dallas team and the record is what the record is. But uh, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, as you mentioned, they kept the brooms out. They swept San Jose uh, with the win on Thursday and they took those brooms with them on the start of this road trip mm-hmm. and they sweep aside the Stars three wins in three Team nights, in fact. So they saw a lot of the stars here recently. Now two of the games were against Matt Murray in goal. Murray's played three NHL games, two of them against the Canucks, and both of them losses. Um, his other game was against the Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, I'll give you Jake Ottinger. And they are now, uh, the stars have been taking a little bit of heat that Ottinger has played too much, and so maybe they're looking to find games here to rest him uh, before the playoffs begin because they're going to need him. But whatever the case, uh, again, statistically, I see where the stars are and individually, season that Jason Robertson's having, but uh, he was quiet. And they were all quiet, aside from Ryan Suter opening the scoring. But uh, after that, I thought the Vancouver Canucks, they were dialed in. We've spent so much of the time talking about structure. It's that buzzword. We've kind of had some fun with it. But mm-hmm. the Canucks were certainly structured in this hockey game. And that included the insertion of Jack Rathbone. So another AHL call-up. And not only does Jack Rathbone hold his own, but, hey, he finds the back of the net. So good night for Jack Rathbone. Back of the National Hockey League. Good night for the Vancouver Canucks. And so much of what the Canucks have been doing here of late on the back of Thatcher Demko, but this wasn't Thatcher Demko stealing a victory like it was one week ago in Los Angeles. This was the Canucks doing the job in front of Thatcher Demko, holding the stars to a single goal. And really, when you look out through this game i mean there were a couple of chances along the way but four power plays and the canucks kill those and we'll get to the quest for 70 uh as we move along here on the post game pod but yeah just i mean across the board uh you know another shorthanded goal and almost like write that down before the game begins again like, it really it's just it's incredible it's ridiculous. Uh, but an, yeah. another shorthanded goal and uh yeah i mean i, I again Uh, the idea of them finishing anywhere near the the bottom of the standings, that's been long gone for a while now. Uh Um, But I do get a sense, like, this is the blueprint for Rick Tockett that he is trying to lay down for this hockey club with 10 games to go. uh, Who knows if they'll play any better than they did in this one, but this is how he wants his hockey club to play uh, when training camp begins and they try to establish something uh, to build on for next season.
0: So the Canucks are now leading the NHL with 14 shorthanded goals, which is just unbelievable when you think about (laughs) the trials and tribulations of this penalty kill uh, this year. Ten in the last 17 games. It's it's remarkable uh, what they're doing on the PK. And yeah, let's get to it. Dun,
1: dun, dun, dun. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have Q don't have a huge budget here at Rinkwide. We're working on that, but uh not bad. I, I didn't mind that one. Uh yeah, first kill of the night, in fact, put them up over seventy percent, and then they uh you know, then they score a shorthanded goal, then they tack on to the penalty kill. And in fact, in the third period, like it's a three-one hockey game, Tyler Myers gets called for cross-checking I thought that was probably their best kill of the night. Like, the Stars didn't even get a sniff, and they had one shot on goal when they're down two and have an opportunity to chip away and get back in the hockey game. I uh, thought the Canucks penalty kill was incredible there, and that's not a word that I have used uh, to describe the Canucks penalty kill, at least not uh, in a positive light, all season long. And then Dakota Joshua takes the, the tripping penalty later on, and again, Dallas didn't do a whole lot with it. I think they tested Thatcher Demko a couple of times, uh, but still, power the penalty kill goes four for four on the night, so up over 70, like there's actually a little bit of breathing room, there's some daylight between that 70% bar and the Vancouver Canucks still last in the NHL, but yeah, since Rick Tockett took over, uh, it's unbelievable. Just to, to try to sort of put this in perspective because you threw out some of the numbers there about shorthanded goals, but since Tockett took over, the Canucks have now scored 12 shorthanded goals. 12 shorthanded goals. Edmonton is next in the NHL since January 22nd, since Rick Tockett became the head coach of the Canucks. So the Canucks have scored a dozen. Edmonton is second with seven. And no other team has scored more than five. So the Canucks have scored more than twice as many shorthanded goals as every other team in the National Hockey League, except the Edmonton Oilers, since Rick Tockett began coaching. It's just, yeah, for a team that couldn't kill a penalty to save its life, to be so dangerous on the penalty kill now in the second half of the season, really, uh, yeah. know, th- there's lots of storylines uh, that we'll look back on on this year. The coaching change certainly will be front and center. But uh, this flip of the script when it comes to the Canucks' shorthanded and going to the attack. And you know, it wasn't JT Miller and Elias Pettersson leading the charge. It was a beautiful goal from Dakota Joshua. Picked uh, his spot short side after the nice setup by Nils Amon and but, yeah, but it,
0: how did how did Amon get that puck? Good wall work, right? The coach the loves port. the wall
1: work. <laughs> he does. Does he ever? Uh and yeah, I mean, and we've talked about Amon and Joshua and the chemistry that those two guys have. Uh, it was on display there, and and Nilsim on you know, again, I'm sort of eating my words here, but I'm happy yep. to do it because Same. he just he absolutely looks like a national hockey leader now. Uh, where for that long stretch before he got sent down to Abbotsford, was starting to wonder a little bit about uh, you know where he was as a player, where it was headed. But he's come back from the American Hockey League and now has nine points in those twenty three games since the call up. So you know, at, at that pace for these twenty three games since his return after the All Star break. He's on like a 32 point pace over the course of a season, which you know Decent. for a depth score yeah. you can get 30 points out of a depth guy that can kill you some penalties and win faceoffs and those types of things. Then yeah, all of a sudden this guy looks like a national hockey leaguer without a doubt. So good team effort from the goaltender on out, and that uh, short handed goal was a big one because the Stars had opened the scoring. If they stretch the lead to two nothing, who knows how the game goes? But uh, Canucks get back on even terms late in the first period. Dakota Joshua scoring in back to back games. Now he scored late in the first the other night. I mean really late uh, the buzzer beat this one with a minute and a half to go. But still a big goal, I think, to get the Canucks to the break in a one-all tie. And from there, uh, they sealed off uh, the defensive zone and got the two goals they needed to win it by a score of three to one
0: Yeah, and of course you love seeing, or at least I love seeing, Brock Besser uh, scoring. Uh, that's uh, for selfish reasons. We'll get to that a little bit later here. But also the fact that, what, he had one goal in his last 10 games, and it's been a struggle for Brock Besser this year to score goals. We know the point totals are... Are there? They're nice. They're hovering around where he normally was. But when you start the season saying you're going to score 30 and you're not even halfway there yet uh, at what, what, game 72, uh, you got to like that for Brock Besser. But what you got to love though is Jack Rathbone getting inserted into the lineup uh, late as Guillaume Grisbois uh, was taken out of the lineup. And Rathbone, not only was it a a goal, it was a good goal. A very nice one. Beautiful patience there from Andre Kuzmenko with the feed, but uh, good instincts from Jack Rathbone, too. In a game that I, I remember thinking at the start when they were showing him on camera, thinking, like, what's going through this guy's head right now? Like, he must be nervous. Because... This is a tough time for someone like him, right? Like A lot of people thought, and probably including himself, that this was going to be a season where he is, you know, riding the planes instead of, you know, perhaps the buses or whatever they ride in the AHL. I don't know. I guess they, they, fly. Have habits for they, it. they fly, fly a lot. Yeah, they do. But you know what I'm saying. Like, he's going to stay in the luxury hotels uh, this year around. So I, I think it's big for Jack Rathbone, but massive for the confidence. But you just got to love the fact that the instincts were there.
1: Yeah, I would hope by this stage of his professional career that he he wasn't nervous. I mean, new coaching staff. And so, sure, you want to put your best foot forward, but this wasn't his first NHL game. He has been here and done this before and been through the call-ups and those types of things. And, you know, he had a goal under his belt already, so he wasn't wondering, like, am I ever going to score a goal? And I'm sure that wasn't crossing his mind as he returned to the National Hockey League for the first time since November the 9th. And, And I think it's important to point out, some people may have forgotten, he didn't play games earlier this year and then got sent down. So, you know, this is a smart guy. He's a Harvard guy. He's got the hockey IQ. And I think he's also got some pretty good situational awareness to jump up uh, and take his opportunities. And you may remember his his other NHL goal, his first NHL goal. Uh, he doubled his career total with the one tonight. Uh, but his first goal in Edmonton was the same sort of situation where he, I think he recognized the, a play, you know, jumped up, grabbed the puck, and, and snapped it home. Here, great patience by Andre Kuzmenko. And it was pointed out by a number of people on social media. If you go back and watch the replay there, like, man, the Canucks were aggressive in a 2-1 hockey game. Besser had just scored to make it 2-1. They had four guys below the hash marks in the offensive zone. And then Rathbone came in sort of as the trailer. So if that puck skips over Rathbone's stick or, you know, a stick explodes or something, all of a sudden, the Canucks have five guys below the hash marks. But I didn't have to worry about that because Rathbone, his stick stayed intact, and uh, he finds the back of the net. Uh, great feed by Kuzmenko, though, and, and Pedersen gets the second assist there. So Elias Pedersen extends his point streak. It's up to 11 games every time he adds on. It uh, just continues to to grow as a, a career best for him. And uh, now one of the uh, highest or most active, uh, longest-running point streaks in the NHL. I think Nathan McKinnon's got a dozen going, and Miro Heiskanen's 12-game point streak comes to an end. Uh, and that is crazy, too that the last team to keep Heiskanen off the score sheet, the Canucks, last time they were in Dallas. And since then, he had a point in every game he had played, got it up to 12 And the Canucks keep him off the score sheet again here. So when we talk about teams that uh, Dallas probably happy to be done with, I would think the same goes for Miro Heiskanen, for whatever reason, just not able to generate a lot against the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, Pedersen is up to 91 points on the season, now 10 games to go. So chipping away, we're into single digits in terms of the countdown to 100 points for Elias Pettersson. But I just want to go back to Besser's goal for a sec there. Uh, for all the reasons that you said, I mean, it's nice to see him score. Nice to see that shot. Uh, nice setup by J.T. Miller off the rush. Philip Ronick gets his first point to the Vancouver Canuck in his second game as uh, he got the second assist there. And for Brock Besser... Uh, kind of quietly becoming Mr. Saturday Night, because it was last week in Los Angeles that he opened the scoring at Crypto.com, and here we are a week later. It would be nice if he didn't go weeks between goals, but that's kind of where we are with with Brock Besser in the season that he has had and... We have to mention the Matt Murray factor, of course, because uh, the other Matt Murray, Brock Besser's had a fair bit of success against uh, earlier in his career. And here's the guy with the same name, different goaltender, but uh, Brock Besser snapped it short side uh, like that shot. And, you know, it's good to see that Brock Besser still got that shot in him. And speaking of Brock Besser and shot, you see that late in the game? Looked like he had been shot out of a cannon trying to track down that icing and to uh, beat out Jamie Benn. I think he got hosed on the call, quite frankly. But that might be the fastest we've seen Brock Besser skate all season. Well, he was skating against Jamie Benn, though. <laughs> Maybe it might look it's a little relative. bit faster. Fair
0: enough. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. He absolutely got hosed on that one. Uh Ronick's 30th assist of the season. So he's uh, three back of uh, his career high right now. So that's an interesting a stat for him I, I don't think a lot of people really know that you know the production that Arona can give a team right he his next goal will be double digits for him too so interesting to see uh, where he ends up at the end of the season uh Vasily Colson left the game yeah about halfway through the third there looks like a hand injury of some sort interesting to see uh, what we're going to hear about Colson's injury but what did you think of his game
1: well, he got uh, the opportunity that we had been talking about for a while. And he started on the top line with Elias Pettersson and, and Andre Kuzmenko. And that's, you know, they didn't show that at morning skate. So kind of curious, uh, again, these games don't mean anything. So I don't imagine that Rick Tockett was playing, you know, mind games with Pete DeBoer and the Dallas Stars. But I'm kind of curious about uh, where things changed and and why. And Anthony Bovillier, who's got a little bit quiet offensively and was held off the sheet again tonight. uh, He dropped all the way down to a fourth line that was Sheldon Drys and Connor Garland, uh you know, Pod Colson, uh, I didn't see a whole lot in his game, but, yeah, when he's sitting there at the bench having his hand or his wrist worked on and then he left and, and went to the locker room and that was the last we saw of him. Of course, quick turnaround uh, into Chicago on Sunday afternoon. Now, we already knew that Aid McDonough is yeah. expected to make his NHL debut and you wondered who was coming out. Uh Hopefully, it's not an injury that takes a guy like Pod Colson out of the lineup, but earlier in that third period, uh, Vitaly Kravtsov kind of, uh, he got tangled up with Brian Suter in the corner and and sort of was doubled over as he worked his way back to the bench. And, uh, you know, I thought, OK, like maybe I still think Kravtsov might have been the guy if they were going to sit a player down. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. There won't be a morning skate in Chicago. So uh, who knows? It may take until warm up on Sunday to figure out exactly how the Canucks are going to line up against the Blackhawks. But, you know, I, I would like Pod Colson to do a little bit more with the opportunity. I hope it's not one and done for him. Uh, I thought early in the game, he just didn't quite look like he was on the same wavelength with Patterson and Kuzmenko, who clearly are so dialed in and have the chemistry and have had it all season long. And there were just a couple of breakouts and some passes that didn't quite hit the mark. And, uh I, I, you know, other guys are going to want that opportunity to play with Elias Pedersen. And so many guys have got the Pedersen bump. It didn't happen for Pod Colson. Now it's just one game. So I'm not going to go too deep there. But, you know, with 10 games remaining in the season, I don't know how many opportunities will be left to get. You know, put in that position to succeed. So when you get it, you want to do something with it. I, I don't know. I just didn't think there was a whole lot to Vasily Colson's game.
0: Yeah, and Kravtsov as well, the low man in terms of uh, time on ice. Yeah, it's curious to see exactly what uh, where this guy's going to go right now because really we've seen a little flash, but really it's just it hasn't been enough to really spark the player.
1: Yeah, I, I'm it. Very much, the jury is still out on him and where this is all going, and is he a Rick Tockett kind of guy? And then you've yeah. got a you know Niels Hoaglander who I think will show up at training camp, hungry and motivated, and who knows what else the Canucks do in the off season. And of course, McKayev, uh hopefully is uh, fully healthy and and has that speed uh, that's his X factor. So. If you're Kravsoff, like uh, I think if you listen closely, you can hear the clock kind of ticking here on the audition. I'm not writing the guy off entirely, but I just, uh, to me, he hasn't done enough to be an every night player in the Vancouver Connect lineup at the start of next season.
0: Yeah, one uh, shot on goal, uh, one block, and uh, one hit on the night for Vatili Kravtsov. Uh, I want to get into Philip Heronic a little bit here as well. Of course, second game uh, that we've seen him, and he got that apple tonight. But I think one of the biggest things that we're seeing from Heronic right now for one, he looks very comfortable <laughs> like for a guy that's been away from the game for a few weeks, but also on a brand new team. But the fact that he's eaten up minutes at 26-37, and Quinn Hughes was the high man tonight at twenty-seven, thirty. But heroic playing that many minutes, uh, again, it's just going to bode well for 43.
1: Yeah, and especially on the front end of back-to-back. So by the time they get to St. Louis on Tuesday, that'll be three games and four nights out on the road. So you know, I guess I'm glad for Quinn Hughes that they didn't push him up over 30 when he has to turn around. And in fact, the face-off in Chicago less than 24 hours after the mm-hmm. face-off in Dallas, but it's a 3-1 hockey game and the Canucks wanted to see it through. Uh You know, I, I think one of the breaks was that, I mean, there wasn't a ton of special teams time. The the Yeah, there were four penalty kills, but the Canucks had three power plays, but Two of them overlapped at the minute and 12. We'll get to the five on three as we go here. Whatever the case, 27-minute uh, range. Quinn Hughes can handle that. Uh Plays nine minutes in each of the three periods. In fact, they wild how close his ice time was across the board in the three periods. 9.07 in the first, 9.09 in the second, and 9.14 in the third. So we're progressively getting uh a little bit more, but just by seconds in each of the periods. But uh, it didn't look like a game where Quinn Hughes was under siege and under pressure but there's no question that philip ronick coming in here uh is another guy that they can lean on they did the other night when he topped out in ice time and even a bit more as you mentioned and he does look comfortable he's a good player i think that much is evident that's why the Canucks uh, paid a, a handsome price to go get this guy and now with 10 games remaining you know i think we'll continue to sort of shape our own Opinion on what he is and what he can do, and you know, the way that the Canucks have used him, but they're certainly not afraid to use him. And uh, when you look at the breakdown of his ice time, you know, he got four minutes of power play time, but also four minutes of penalty kill time. So inserting him right in as another penalty killer and getting the job done again, because the stars went over uh, in their four power play. So, yeah, I thought, uh, you know, I I watched him with my own eyes the other night. Now we're going to see him on TV and on the road. so you're not able to sort of see him away from the play as much. I I was kind of curious the other night, and that's one of the beauties of sitting in the press box and being able to look down from above as sort of being able to focus and train your eyes on certain things, sometimes behind the play. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this guy looks like a gamer. And again, I, you know, I don't think we've seen the physical side of him. These haven't been nasty games. And I don't know if the Canucks are going to be involved in anything that even resembles anything close to playoff hockey because they're not going there, but... Again, I expected a little bit more from the Dallas Stars. I expected more, even though Vegas beat the Canucks the other night. You know, Vegas didn't wow me. Uh, Los Angeles, possession-wise, last Saturday, obviously skated circles around the Canucks. But, you know, ultimately the Canucks won that hockey game. So, I don't know. I go uh, every day, it seems, uh, I kind of waffle on this one about uh, who I like in the Western Conference right now. Uh, I, I guess Colorado. But, you know, if Colorado doesn't get home ice advantage, like, you know, can they run the table if they have to be, uh, you know, the, the lower seed in each of the rounds. So, uh, again, we won't worry too much about what's going on around the Canucks in the Western Conference, but, uh, you know, for me, this Dallas team, I don't know. Like, I just, I, 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 I don't, in my mind, I don't see the Dallas Stars as one of the favorites to come out of the West.
0: Jason Robertson as well, who's you know their star goal scorer, who just looked MIA in the games that against yeah. the Canucks as well, right? Although he did have two shots on, on on eight attempts tonight, but really, do you remember any of them? I don't. Uh, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't even think he had a high
1: danger. Uh, and when I I'll sort again, of look at like, my notes, like the team itself. Like I recognize, I'm not dumping on a guy's forty goal, no, no, ninety one point no. season. But for whatever reason, against the Canucks, there just hasn't been a whole lot of juice there uh, for Robertson or for his teammates. And uh, yeah, so you know the, they're in this battle for the division and still, I guess, in the hunt for the top spot in the Western Conference. But uh, uh, they'll have to play a whole lot better than they did in this one against the Canucks.
0: So special teams for the Canucks. You mentioned the uh, five-on-three there. Yeah. And of course, uh, that was in the second period. Jamie Benn takes a cross-checking call on PDG. And then uh, less than a minute later, Tyler Sagan trips... Uh, Elias Patterson, I don't know how he could even complain about that. Like, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. At one point, was, too, when it was when Myers took the, one of my favorite parts of the game, was <laughs> well, also, too, when Myers cross checked Joe Pavelski, like, he almost bailed yeah. him when he broke it in half. Like, come on, you can't really I complain know. about that. But that said, uh, you know, if there is something we can sort of gripe about, it is that power play. I, I get five shots on goal through the what three power plays that they had. But I mean, look at the shorthanded shots
1: on goal. They had four and a goal. Like it's how it's like how baffling. can it be how can it be that the Canucks are more dangerous while shorthanded than they are when they're up it's, two yeah. men, and yet right now I sort of feel love the that challenge. Way because okay, let's go back to that five-one three for a sec. Again, it's a three-one yeah. hockey game at the time, chance to put the hammer down and extend the lead. All sorts of perimeter play. No urgency. And this comes on the heels of going 0 for 5 the other night against San Jose, where after the game, like JT Miller was crapping on the power play. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine that the other guys in the power play were were liking what they saw against the Sharks. And so here you go. You had a power play in the first. Didn't do anything with it. That's fine. Now you get five on three for a minute and 12. Like, it wasn't 20 seconds of two-man advantage time. It was a minute and 12. And I just thought, like, they were so static And no urgency whatsoever. Three forwards and two defensemen. And again, late in the season, I guess I understand a little bit of experimentation and they do want to see what Hughes and Ronick look like. But, you know, generally in a five on three set. Like, give me your four best forwards in Quinn Hughes and snap the puck around and start to make some things happen. But it was just, you know, they didn't move, didn't seem to make the stars work very hard on that penalty kill, didn't draw them out of position, didn't get them chasing in any way. And so the star guys just stood around basically in their triangle and the Canucks were happy to pass it around the outside. Uh, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And speaking of not making much sense to me, and I'll go back to the last point where I said it's late in the season and maybe they're doing some experimentation, but your five on three was Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick, Elias Pedersen, JT Miller, and Brock Besser. Your leading power play goal scorer, Andre Kuzmenko, is not part of your five on three set? Like, how is could that, that is make that big, sense?
0: Yeah, it's funny because, yeah, because you would think that, okay, so maybe they're experimenting because of the new piece that they got in the back and want to see that. But why is Kuzmenko the odd man out in the forward group then?
1: Right. And I think they like Brock Besser's puck retrieval and his willingness to stand his ground in front of the net. That's all fine. I like Kuzmenko's power play goals myself. Well, that's just it. And so if you're experimenting, like <laughs> why wouldn't you want to experiment with your leading power play goal guy? and so yeah they you know maybe we're splitting hairs here but that's what we do like we do the deep dives on this caduc game it happened in the game so we're not going to avoid it ultimately they won the hockey game they didn't need a gold five on three but uh i'm telling you if i see another five on three here anytime soon i don't want it to look like that because that was a minute and 12 that i ain't getting back and that they're not getting back uh they're now oh for five this season when they've had a two-man advantage they're one of four teams in the league that hasn't scored and, like, the ones that do score, like, they always make it look so easy, and yet the Canucks made it look so difficult on that uh, that power play. Uh, the other thing, too, is, it's you know, this isn't just an isolated incident, as we said on the postgame the other night. Like, they're three for their last 20 on the power play. You know, fifteen percent—that's uh, below their season average, and that's not a particularly good average. So, yeah, it's crazy. The tables have turned. All of a sudden, the penalty kill is uh, where you go for excitement when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks, and the power play—you kind of close your eyes and you you count down the minutes because uh, power play just not looking very good right now.
0: Have you ever seen that Seinfeld episode where Kramer borrows the car and they try to see how far they can go with it with the test drive <laughs> yeah. with the tank? So how far can this power penalty kill go? Like how high can it go? Can they get to seven? Can they get to 80%? No. Or the math is just like... not going to work?
1: Yeah. I don't think there's Need a lot time. of power plays. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It would, but I mean, yeah. So I, I guess now the goal would be 75. Can they get it to 75? Can they get on this incredible run or keep this incredible run going? Because uh, really since the start of March, penalty kill, is up around 84% and has been one of the best in the National Hockey League when it has spent most of the year as the worst in the NHL. So, uh, you know, it is important to, you know, new coaching staff, new ideas, different personnel. Uh, sure, you're going to look at their penalty kill in the totality of the season, but I do think it's important to to break it up into the chunks that, you know, under Rick Tockett, penalty kill has actually become a, a weapon. They're 59-2 now. In the games that Rick Tockett has coached, and, and more than that, the Vancouver Canucks are 12 4 and 1 in their last 17 hockey games. They have four outright losses in their last 17, and with results around the NHL on this Saturday, they're tied with Detroit now. They have caught Uh-oh. the Red Wings, and we wondered if that was going to happen. Uh bank has just for, uh, switched the podcast off. They threw their phone. Tied over. for 23rd <laughs> in the overall standing. Yeah, so, yeah, well, it's uh, the
0: reality, it's the reality. Yeah. I know. What did you say that uh, that PK was under under Rick Talking?
1: Uh well in the in the month of March I yeah. I haven't done the math but in the month of March I think it's around yeah. 84, 85%. Yeah, there you
0: go. I mean the top PK in the league is the Boston Bruins at 85.7. So that just shows you right there the the the, the corner that they've turned on on the season with the PK. It's just absolutely remarkable but uh, I'll tell you what uh the coaching staff that was <laughs> was controlling the PK before this you you might not want to put that on your resume.
1: Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome.
0: The Rink-Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog, poker tips, sports odds, and free casino games. It's time to play. Let's head into the dressing room. Hear from the head coach and from Thatcher Demko, and perhaps from Jack Rathbone as well. But we'll start with the head coach, uh, just on his team's performance tonight. I thought it was a hell of an effort. I thought our defense were, were terrific. Um, um, obviously, Denver was solid. in um, the forwards, I, 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 we didn't have one passenger tonight, and the PK was great. You know, It was really a really hard effort from the guys. It's one of those games, I think, that if you're the new coaching staff that sort of come in here, and, and of course with the old guys that have been around as well, you, you're you you're feeling yourself tonight. You're liking this one. Like, you're like, all right, like we're seeing what we're building here now.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, we record these and we give our thoughts right off the top without hearing what the coach thinks. And, you know, sometimes the coach will see things a little bit differently, but uh, clearly he, uh, and not that he needs to be in lockstep with us, but we were in lockstep with him, thought that, you know, no passengers. I totally agree with that. You know, he didn't say it was the best that his team has played since uh, he took over. But I would have to imagine that uh, he would think that it was right up there again, given the level of opponent uh, as well. And for whatever reason, the Canucks uh, have owned the Dallas Stars and and all three of their victories here of late have come with pocket behind the bench. So, uh, you know, good goaltending didn't have to be great goaltending last Saturday in L.A. They needed great goaltending uh, the other night against San Jose. Uh, they got some depth scoring here. This really top to bottom again, maybe the most complete effort we yeah. have seen from the Vancouver Canucks this season. Yeah. You mentioned the goaltending
0: there, and it wasn't a Thatcher Demko steal night or anything like that. He makes 25 saves uh, in the victory. He is now 6-0 and lifetime against mm-hmm. the Dallas Stars, which is quite interesting. When he was uh, reminded of that, by the way, too, he touched wood behind him, which I thought was kind of interesting. But, of course, goalies and uh, the goalie union, the way they are, right? Superstitious. But uh, he was asked, you know, about uh, uh, his performance tonight, but he gave props to the D.
2: I thought it was a really good job. Um, we've been, you know, working on D-zone structure a lot lately and um, just winning some battles at our, our net front. I thought, you know, they had, the, I think they were the first team in the league in tips, um, you know, with traffic and all that stuff. So obviously they're going to get some looks in that regard, but... You know, after that first shot was, um, on net, you know, I thought our D did a great job of eliminating second ch- chances and, um, boxing those guys out. So, um, yeah, I was really proud of the guys, uh, PK and, and six on five or five on six was really good too.
0: Yeah. When I sort of go through the chances tonight, he's right. There was some good chances for some tip shots. A high skin in shot got. Uh, tipped by Didon- or uh, and then Dodonov got the rebound. That was in the first period. I thought that was a good little sequence there uh for Thatcher Demko and Rupe Hints had a deflection on a point shot as well. That it was a nice pad save for Demko. But this was one of those nights that uh, you know you they definitely did get their high danger chances, but it didn't. There wasn't anything that sort of jumped off the page to me.
1: Yeah, I just think that's interesting. Some insight from Thatcher Demko, sort of pulling the curtain back a little bit. That you know, as part of their preparation, they recognize that the stars are. And I didn't realize that, uh, whatever info they've got, uh, suggesting that the Stars are the best team in the league at deflections and tips. And the Canucks did do a nice job of, uh, you know, taking away those opportunities, at, you know, boxing out, uh, winning your battles in front of the net, allowing Thatcher Demko to see the shots that were coming his way. And overall... Uh, held Dallas to 26 shots. Like That's a pretty low shot total for a team that had four power plays in the hockey game as well. So, uh, you know, early in the season, the Canucks obviously given up way too much in terms of uh, shots and scoring chances and offensive zone time and all that kind of stuff. But uh, this was a very, uh, very complete effort from the Vancouver Canucks. And as a result, they take two points out of Dallas, move on to Chicago, and we'll see if they can go two for two uh, at the start of this road trip.
0: we got some breaking news here on the podcast as NHL.com has updated their stats the Canucks (laughs) are now at 70.4 with the PKJ Pat they did it they did it they're probably in the dressing room afterwards just like they have like a 70 trophy or something that they're passing
1: around (laughs) but they Uh, did it they got there (laughs) and quite remarkably they're within two percentage points now of the Buffalo Sabres like Nobody. That is realistic that they could, if this trend continues, Whoa. now the Sabres shut out the Islanders on Saturday, so their power play, I haven't looked at the special teams, so they didn't get torched on the on the power play, but the Canucks now have the Sabres directly in their... I think it's, this could be an incredible last 10-game stretch here, a push to move out of the NHL basement where they have resided since the very first game of the season.
0: Yeah, let's get crazy. I love it. Uh, Talkit was asked about uh, his PK success. Uh, There's a lot of confidence. They're buying in, Um, you know, a little structure we we gave them. And um, they're just, you know, PK is about energy and attitude, and that's what they're giving us. So humble there. Yeah, we've given them some structure. Buddy, did you see what you walked into when you took over this team? Did you look at the numbers?
1: You, inherit, you inherited an entire fire, uh, yes. and you have brought the fire extinguisher, and uh, now they're torching teams uh, on their own with all these shorthanded goals. So, uh, yeah, it's really been uh, quite a turn of events for the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Uh, Jack Rathbone, of course, uh, getting his first goal of the season, his second of his career, but it was a big one for the Canucks. Extended the lead uh, 2-3-1, which is ultimately where it ended up. Jack Rathbone asked about his goal.
2: Yeah, it felt good. No, it felt good. Um Yeah, I mean, huge effort from the guys. Um, It's a tough team to beat, and I thought we played a great game.
0: You heard somebody chirping in the background. I couldn't (laughs) distinguish who the voice was, but the question was about the goal, and of course, somebody else answering, he loved it! He loved the goal! (laughs) So, uh, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know exactly who that was, but yeah, of course it felt good uh, for Jack Rathbone. His head coach, though, doesn't know a lot about the player he was asked about in postgame. Yeah, I didn't know much about him, but, uh, yeah, for him to jump in to play that goal, that was a big goal. You know, the you know Dallas is a great hockey team, but for him to jump in um, and make that play, a uh, big goal for us from Rath. The reason why I think that Rathbone would have been a bit nervous going into this game was just, I think, everything that's sort of been around him. Like, his uh, trajectory to the NHL looked like it was steady rising for him, and then he's now had a step back. We talked about the one-way contract uh, that he got as well. So to me, I I think there was probably some nerves at play here, and maybe he did settle in because, yeah, the NHL is not new territory to him, but just considering everything, how long it's been, and the fact that, you know, when you're down in the A, maybe you sometimes are wondering, hey, is this ever going to happen for me again?
1: Yeah, and maybe you and I are sort of quibbling over the definition of of nerves. Like, you know, I I would imagine most guys sort of have pregame jitters, but at the same time, you know, this isn't like he was traded and going into a new locker room where he doesn't know anybody. This isn't the first time that he's been called up. So, you know, again, my dealings with Jack Rathbone, you know, a smart guy, like just went to Harvard, like you don't get into Harvard by accident and it, it comes across. He's a well-spoken guy. You know, I think he processes the game pretty well. He's had a little bit of bad luck with some injuries and ultimately another stints in the NHL. He hasn't held up his end of the bargain. He hasn't played particularly well. So, uh, you know, I think for him, he just has to look at this as every opportunity is a chance to show that the past is in the past, that when he goes to the AHL, that, you know, he, he yeah, I don't want to say he's too good for that league, but it, it did feel at the end of last season like he had graduated from the AHL, and I'm sure he hoped that it was in the rearview mirror. Uh He has spent the bulk of this season in the American Hockey League, but, you know, whether it's proving to Canucks management, and these guys didn't draft him, uh, you know, that he could be a part of what they're trying to put together here or if it's just showcasing his talent for somebody else in the National Hockey League that, you know, thinks, hey, maybe there is a player there, whatever the case, I don't know how many games, he's on an emergency call up and so the minute the Canucks have enough healthy bodies... Uh, he's likely going to get uh, sent right back down to Abbotsford. I and mean, those are just the rules. That's kind of the situation that he's in. So uh if he gets to play again tomorrow night in Chicago, another chance in the best league in the world to strut his stuff. But uh yeah, I mean, if uh, Rick Tockett wondered a little bit about uh, the player... You know, I I mean, I think all things considered, he uh, acquitted himself quite nicely against the Stars.
0: Of course, the Canucks playing very well under Rick Tockett. Eight and two now in their last 10 games have reached the uh, Detroit Red Wings with 71 points. Thatcher Demko talking about post-game, how this team, they're just trying to finish strong.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was kind of our goal. You know, not only personally for me, um, but I think for the team as well. Just making sure that these last games down the stretch counted for something. Um, you know, we're not we're not a group that's just going to pack it in. Obviously, this the the beginning of the year didn't go the way we wanted it to, but um, that doesn't mean uh, that we can just quit and. Uh, We wanted to make sure that, you know, these games meant something for us and uh, built some momentum going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about tanking. We've
0: talked about it. The players don't want any part of tanking. The coaching staff are not going to want any part of that. Maybe the fans might want it. Maybe the management, maybe the ownership. Maybe not this ownership, but maybe other ownerships would want it. The way this team is constructed, though, to ask them to tank is kind of ridiculous, really.
1: Well, and, I mean, at the height of, uh, or maybe it was the lowest point, Uh, You know, coming out of the All-Star break, and they lost to the Devils, they lost to the Rangers, and then they lost back-to-back to to the Detroit Red Wings. And at that point, uh, people were wondering, like, how low can they go? Well, really, from that point, uh, you know, they knew that Thatcher Demko was coming back. And if Demko could regain his form, then, yeah, he was going to win you some hockey games. He's 8-3 and in his return to the lineup now, and it started in Dallas. Three of his eight wins— Uh, since the injury, have come against the Stars. But he's 8-3 and and now has 11 victories on the season, which is kind of crazy. You know, the final week of March, and Thatcher Demko has regained a share of the team lead in victories on the season with 11. Uh, I mean, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about where the season has gone for the Canucks. But, you know, not only getting Thatcher Demko back, but then inserting Philip Ronik the other night. And so now you're adding a guy that, you know, has looked pretty good uh, with Pedersen, with Hughes, with Miller, with Kuzmenko. They were just, they were too good to finish, uh, at the bottom. They were. And I know Sam. that they were within arm's reach, like, and everybody knows, uh, the reasons it went off the railing or the rail, but ultimately you get goaltending at this level, you're going to win some hockey games. And Thatcher Demko has provided that. I would imagine he gets the night off in Chicago. I hope he gets the night off in Chicago with back to back and some, you know, since it's fairly significant travel from Dallas, uh, north to Chicago. And a quick turnaround, plus the fact that Rick Tockett showed last week in Southern California. Uh, he was willing to go with Colin Delia, and Delia delivered a victory. So I would think that Sunday in Chicago, plus uh, where did Colin Delia used to play? Chicago, so I'm sure that's a night that he's looking forward to at United Center, even though uh, not a whole lot on the line. The Blackhawks were in Minnesota, so for both of these teams, it's back-to-back, and uh, can't imagine that it'll be a pretty hockey game, but uh, they will play. It's on the schedule, so away they go. Uh, They'll face off on Sunday afternoon. and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise. Fill the dome. All right, let's get to
0: my bowdog best bet, cause boy, did I take a shot in the dark and hit tonight. Brock Besser, anytime goal score at plus two fifty. I explained on the pregame show that I didn't really have a whole lot to go off of this. You know, he was getting some shots on goal and we did our uh Players of the Week. I noticed he only had 13 shots in four games. He was getting some high danger chances. He wasn't parrying. I figured, listen, he's got to be due at some point, and he hit tonight. That's my 30th win on the season, but the Canucks just keep winning the nights that I win as well. So still trailing them right now, but hopefully you guys picked up on it and uh, made yourself some money tonight. Two and a half times your money there, so uh a good value on a Brock Besser goal. We also gave away $50 in Bodog bucks for the game-winning goal time and period for the person that guessed closest to that. The game-winning goal was by Brock Besser at the 3.57 mark of the second period. And congratulations to Brad Sports on Twitter, who guessed 4.30 of the second period. Hmm. So very close, just 33 seconds off. Congratulations, Brad. Uh Bodog will be crediting your account with $50. And hey, listen, if you uh take that, you can grow it even more if you're smart or perhaps listening to our pregame show. His, his name is Brad Sports? I don't know. It says Brad Sports on Twitter. So, that, it, I a, mean, could be, okay. could be, could be, could <laughs> be. Uh, let's get to a uh, game in a hashtag, which is presented by Delaney's OK Tire out there on Fraser Highway in Langley. Johnny Kanak is kicking things off that says hashtag Hook this PK to my veins. Yes, <laughs> I love that.
1: People can't get enough of it now.
0: <laughs> uh, this uh, a strong belly says hashtag PK seventy. Yes, sir. Uh, Jack Pontiac says hashtag Star dusted, and Soapbox finishing things off here with hashtag Boner. Mm, okay. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Lastly here, this is also uh, from Strongbelly. We just got one ask uh pat here for you. And I know we've kicked this around a little bit, but maybe uh, maybe you see differently through uh, the last few games. But given Amon's growth this season, do you could you see him as a 3C next season if the money isn't there to fill the spot in free agency?
1: Oh, I, I still think if you're trying to build out like a legitimate first of all, playoff team, but then a, a championship-caliber team. Uh, I, I I think you can and, and have to do a little bit better, right? You know, injuries happen if something was to happen to Pedersen or Miller, not long-term, because we saw what happened when Thatcher-Devko went down. I mean, their season went off the rails. But, you know, if you were to lose Pedersen or Miller for a couple of games, a week, two weeks, whatever— You'd like somebody that could step up and step in, and that's where I think a third-line center that has some experience and a little bit of offensive chops, you know, you're never going to replace Elias Pettersson, but in a pinch, could a guy slide up the lineup and play a little bit higher up? I I don't think Nils Amon, like, that's not him. Yeah. Uh, and so I think he's giving every indication of being a really competent, capable fourth-line setter, and he's going to continue to grow. I mean, that's the thing, is that both he and Dakota Joshua, I think there is room to grow. I think that they've shown some of that growth and, uh, again, like, I-, I love the goals that Dakota Joshua scores. Uh, certainly the finish that, you know, tonight, like, he picked his spot and he went short side uh, after taking the feed from Nils Amon. So I like the the setup, but I also like Joshua that you know, those aren't fluky goals. He didn't need a bounce. Like, he looked like he was in full control and and snapped it past Matt Murray. So, uh, like, if they could build out that fourth line, again, I still think a guy like Phil DiGiuseppe as their other winger and and make that a fourth line that can spend time in the offensive zone and can wear down defenders and and make it difficult on the other teams. You know, because I like Phil DiGiuseppe. I like a lot of what he brings. And, and I yeah. think they like his... Killing utility and i i think that probably gives him a leg up to you know be on the opening night roster next year now again we need to see what the summer looks like for the canucks and who they bring in and who's not here and all those types of things but but i could see that being like an absolute handful of a fourth line that you know should be able to win a number of its battles and and leave its mark on opponents so we'll see where it goes i'm fine for the final 10 games dj's happy if he's going to stay up with miller and and ambassador you know whatever for the final 10 um Although, you know, I I am really curious to see where does Aiden McDonough slide in? How do they use him? What kind of opportunities does he get? And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing McDonough make his NHL debut on the left side with Miller and Besser, put the kid in a position to succeed. But, uh, you know, we'll get our answers, I suppose, uh, as early as Sunday afternoon in Chicago.
0: What do you think Dakota Joshua is? Do you you think that he is like a third-line capable player, or do you think ultimately— that he'll be, you know, a fourth line guy that can, you know, perhaps chip in some more uh, with the offensively, that is.
1: Well, I mean, it's funny because two weeks ago, if you had asked me that, I would have said no. Yeah. He's on a nice little run here and, and he's certainly playing with confidence. But all of a sudden he's brought some offense here and it's now scored in back-to-back games. And, uh, you know, just we know what the coach thinks of him and how much he likes him there's definitely a bond between Amon and, and Joshua, but it, that's not an unbreakable bond. Like, you know, I don't think that those guys are absolutely linked and stapled to each other. So that if I say Nils Amon is a fourth line center, that it means that Dakota Joshua can't move up the lineup a little bit, but uh, um, yeah, I know where talk it talked about me in a 20 goal score the other night. I, I, again, I was just looking at, you know, 20 goal scores around the league and, you know, the number of shots that, generally 20-goal scorers are taking or the amount of ice time, you know, his shot totals and his ice time average, it would make it awfully tough for him to be a 20-goal scorer. But again, uh, you know, if he finishes strong, maybe he sees a little spike in his ice time and his opportunities next season under Rick Tocket. So, you know, I wouldn't rule him out entirely, but we have to remember he is 26. He's getting his first full season in the National Hockey League, but... You know, I don't know that like it, he's not going to all of a sudden like use this as a springboard to a 25-goal season or something like that. I don't see that happening, but he has been really good for the Vancouver Canucks and the way that he has uh, sort of grown into that penalty-killing role and then you know to be able to score as a penalty-killer as well, uh, a real value for uh, this hockey club.
0: All right, well, Dakota Joshua did something in this game, and I guess he did. perhaps Nils Amon did too. Um, there's a few guys you could pick, but who do you think... Did something, and of course, it's presented by Jason Hominick at Jason.mortgage. Yeah, I'm gonna go
1: with Jack Rathbone tonight, and it turns out that it's insurance, although at three to one, there was uh. Uh, 35 minutes left in the hockey game. So we kind of thought that maybe we would see a little bit more offense from the Dallas Stars. Uh, Whatever the case, uh, the Canucks were happy that uh, Rathbone was able to extend that lead. First of the season, second NHL goal at the five and a half minute mark of the second period on the night. Just nine minutes and 14 seconds of ice time. So he didn't play an awful lot. And that's not a huge surprise. Uh, Again, we weren't even sure that he was going to draw into the lineup at all. Uh, but uh, Guillaume Brisebois obviously unable to go. So uh Rathbone called up on an emergency basis and plugged rating. Right in. He only played two and a half minutes in the third period. And, in fact, uh one shift in the final eight minutes. So, you know, they shortened the bench a little bit. And uh, yeah, this is a player that uh, Adam Foote and Sergey Gonchar had heard about, but until he showed up, like, they really haven't seen him. So you know, I'm not surprised at sort of that utilization. I want to see him get more opportunities. Drew a penalty in the first period. Two shots on goal, including his goal. uh, Four attempts on the night and a win for the Vancouver Canucks. So nice return to the lineup for for Jack Rathbone. And I would imagine that the vibe around this team right now is night and day. I'm sure he's been keeping tabs on things from beneath down in Abbotsford and you know, has friends still on his NHL team. So, uh, you know, the Rathbone-Aiden McDonough story would be kind of cool if the two of them play in Chicago tomorrow. We'll see about that. But uh, on this night, in the 3-1 victory over the Dallas Stars, I'm with Jack Rathbone is the guy that did something. And the hashtag to get in on that $25 to Dutch gift card is Backbone. Rathbone is back. And so I'm going hashtag backbone. <laughs> uh, Thatcher Demko has been a backbone for this team as well. But uh, really, the hashtag applies to to Jack Rathbone returning to the National Hockey League. And uh, did something a presentation, as it always is, of Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage.com. And Jason wants you to have a plan. I would assume that the Canucks have a plan for Jack Rathbone and for Aiden McDonough. Ten games to go here in the season, but that's still enough time to get a good look at these guys in the National Hockey League. And Jason Aminick, if uh, he wants you to know that if you're in the market for a mortgage, uh, first time, if you're, you know, renewal, whatever the case, like... Make sure that you put a plan in place, and hopefully your plan will involve Jason Hominick. Almost 30 years in the mortgage broker business, so this guy is experienced. He's got all the answers. Tap in to that vast knowledge base of his. Reach out. Contact info is on his website, and it's easy to remember, easy to find. Jason Hominick at Jason. Mortgage.
0: Send the hashtag Backbone into the Go Goat Sports inbox at 778-402-9680, and that'll get you into a draw to win a $25 gift certificate to BC's Best Breakfast. That's right. Check them out at thedutch.com. Canucks kicking off the road trip with a W. 3-1 over the stars. They take out the brooms oh, in, in Dallas. This has been another edition of the Rink-Wide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink Wide is the show that always scores.